This is an ABC podcast. The Bureau of Meteorology is warning there's no break in sight for New South Wales as more torrential rain is forecast today and in the week ahead. Emergency services has re- have responded already... To Welcome to Days Like These. I'm Elizabeth Corlass. It's late March. The rain's falling hard throughout southern Queensland and all the way down the New South Wales coast to Sydney. And our reporter, Edwina Storey, is sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the Sunshine Coast Pacific Motorway. It's not long after seven in the morning. The rain is heavy, but there's more to come. 200 millimetres forecast in some areas. Edwina knows she shouldn't be driving, but here she is, two hours into what would normally be a 10 hour trip straight down the coast. Probably not until Wednesday we'll start to see rainfall conditions subside. I've got a tight grip on the wheel and there's a guy in the passenger seat next to me who's fast asleep, but I'm secretly worried he might not ever wake up. But let's backtrack a bit. It's 48 hours before that drive. I'm on a Saturday news shift in an ABC Queensland regional bureau, which means I'm driving around to community events, interviewing people before I race back to the office to file stories. How are you doing today? Oh, good, thank you. Very well. Can you tell me your name? Robbie. Robbie, and what are we doing today? So far, I've accidentally ended up at a body surfing competition when I meant to go to a surfing competition. Turns out they are very different. I've been splashed with colour at the Sunshine Coast first ever Holy Festival and I've interviewed some delightful Melania artists. I quite like these kinds of days. The busyness keeps my FOMO at bay and makes me feel less homesick for Sydney. And while I'm driving... In between interviews, I swap voice memos with Claire. Hi, hello, Eid. I am just rolling into Mudgy. Hello. I have just roughed up to Mulaney, the cutest little town. And rambling um, voice memo for you to listen to at your own free will. Um, but yeah, phone I love call listening better. to you ramble about absolutely Long story nothing. short, good it luck with your work. Um, you are a powerhouse and I love you. That's Claire. We met when I was down in Sydney for Christmas at a tiny, locked-down New Year's Eve party of six people during the Northern Beaches COVID outbreak. We were the only single people there, and we each noticed each other's chewed fingernails and waited until the countdown to escape the couples and make out in the pantry. Meeting Claire that night was the beginning of an accidental and completely unintentional long-distance relationship that's been growing ever since over voice memos, which became a way to stay in contact across closed borders and tight deadlines and long work hours. I hope your brain cooperates and you can dig in and smash all the things out and then your fucking driver's course is such a bleak have all these grand plans of making great audio documentaries. Um, and I'm probably going to get in there. So trying to navigate traffic. When are they going to bring in automated cars? This is what we need some cheese here, despite the vegan thing. You can't come up to Mulaney Food. We've never actually been in the same state for more than a couple of days. I've been on the Sunshine Coast since September, before I met Claire. 
when I decided to move up, all the state lines were closed, businesses were struggling, a recession was on the way. Remember that. So I did the sensible thing and I took a job I knew I was very lucky to have, even though I'd be away from friends and family across Queensland's closed border. I'm back in the office and halfway through my second radio package when I get a call. It's my little brother, Cam. I decline it and text him instead. Hey, I'm just at work. Is everything okay? Call you later. He's geographically my closest relative right now. He's on the Gold Coast, just over two hours south from here. But despite being around for more than six months, neither of us have made the time to see each other. I was five when he was born. When we were little, he was cheeky and naughty and adorable with these bright blue eyes and way, way too much energy. And I was an awkward drama kid with braces. We never really had that much in common. We're just very different people. I get back to work. I've been kind of preparing myself for some bad news about my brother over the last decade. He's had a long struggle with an addiction. It's made him a different person. Angry, frustrated, flighty. I've watched my mom try so hard to help him until it hurt so much that she had to step away. Instead, whenever we speak, she tries to check up on him from a safe distance. My dad has continued on through the hurt of the helping. The heartbreak, the disappointment, and the intoxicating moments of hope. Fuck. This time I answer it and I can hear beeping machines and shuffling in the background. He's in a Gold Coast hospital. And he says, Edwina, I've got HIV. And I hear him sobbing. All alone, yet with no privacy. And only the curtains to keep him from the strangers bustling around him. I say, it's going to be okay, I promise you. I'll come and get you, just hold tight, I'll be there in two hours. It's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. But I don't actually know if that's true. Hi, um, this is a bit of a weird message. Um, I am currently driving to the Gold Coast Hospital because my brother just got a positive HIV test. Um, and I just don't really know what that means. I get a text from Cam and he's been allowed to leave? 
They haven't given him a brochure, not a helpline number, just a couple of scripts and on his way? Out? Alone? In this rain? I just can't even fucking ask the doctors anything. Um, and I... Um... Yeah, I just want to know, like, how it works and what happens. Like, I assume everyone's just fine. Like, it's fine now. You, you just take medicine all of your life. I don't even know what the fuck HIV is. What, immunocompromising or something? As I wait in my car on the back streets of Surface Paradise in the darkness, I see his silhouette in the rain. I get out of the car and he drops his bags on the ground and we hug. Hello. Um, hey, I know that you are with your brother right now um, and I couldn't actually guess it how that's going, but I assume that it's not the easiest time. And we drive back past the neon lit theme parks that line the highway. He mentions going to rehab and I snap back and say, well, do you actually want to go or are you just saying what you think you should say? So the drive home was kind of tense. I think I just got a bit angry because... Um, so maybe I'll just like read to you and... Um, if you feel like listening to something... Claire asks around and there's this one clinic in Darlinghurst where you can just rock up and ask for help. Storm damage, rising flood water, fallen trees or roof damage. 132500, ABC Local Radio, Queensland. Your emergency... So that's why I'm here, in a car driving through Queensland and New South Wales to Sydney in this weather. The Pacific motorway is shut, which means we have to go inland. The drive is a drag of roadblocks and turnbacks and overflowing potholes. Cam's been asleep for hours and... His skin has a grey tinge to it. It seems like nothing will wake him. Evacuation orders are also in place for residents in the Hawkesbury Valley around Agnes Banks, Freeman's Reach, Cornwallis and Pitttown North. Fuck. Mum and Dad are on the Hawkesbury. Shit. There's around 2,800 just in that Hawkesbury and Nepean area that have been evacuated. The Hawkesbury River is swallowing all of the places that Cam and I grew up. My mum and dad have each done everything they can to support Cam. And it's ebbed and flowed in waves of hope and resignation. Knowing this... I step in where I can and every year, once a year, for at least the last couple, I've been trying to get him into rehab. A small window cracks open and this mixture of hope and desperation floods in. 
It was this time last year that I was trying to get him in. I was still in Sydney, just as the world was locking down and we were all up late watching 10pm press conferences on barre classes and nursing home outbreaks. Cam had showed up on my doorstep with nowhere to go. But the window where he's ready to go is never quite long enough for the waiting list. I mean, it's him who needs to want it. You know how far away I am right now? I am 943 kilometers away. Morgan Park. ตาวเวียนเทนเตอร์ฟิลด์ดีพอร์ตอันนี้เนี่ยสโตนเคยโนมาโคตรแต่ยูดรายฟ์ดาวน์อีสโอเคแอนด์อายโนยูฟีลล
and I drive up and there's, there's two men in fluorescent vests standing in the front of the road. Just like, I just don't really want to make it to yours. Ooh. One night in Tamworth, up at 5 a.m. Wallabatar, Muscle, Singleton, West Wall, Bushels Ridge. Else? Fuck it, you're so excited to see you though. Oh my word, what a treat. Darlinghurst. 33 hours after leaving the Sunshine Coast, Cam and I make it. We inch into a parking spot, but I can't get the fucking parking meter to work. So I scrawl a note begging the parking officer not to find me before running to the clinic, bounding up the winding stairs and straight to the front desk to say, Hi, we've just arrived from Queensland and we need your help. The process begins. Blood tests and consultations. This office, that waiting room. Dad suddenly walks into the clinic with this mixture of purpose and exhaustion. He's had to evacuate because of the rain, and yet here he is. We can't go into any appointments with Cam, so we just sit there, shoulder to shoulder, making awkward chit-chat. He asks me where I'm staying. I say to friends, it's a lie. I'm staying at Claire's, but I don't want to come out in the waiting room of a clinic. I change the subject. Dad takes Cam to settle him into some accommodation that Mum's managed to organise despite being stranded on the other side of the overflowing Hawkesbury River. I finally see Claire. We meet up in Redfern out the front of the Sunshine Inn and we're both a bit overwhelmed by seeing each other in the flesh. We try to kiss, but we just can't stop smiling. The next days are a juggle of appointments and phone calls and remote working during another COVID outbreak, this time in Brisbane. Cam's skin is still grey. Sometimes I keep calling him and he doesn't answer and I frantically start wondering if I should just show up. Like, do I go to his apartment? Do I give him privacy? He's been sleeping for days. What if he doesn't wake up? In between it all, though, I have Claire. And while Cam sleeps, we bliss out on walking to the station together and discussing what to make for dinner. The normality of being together is so novel to us. <laughs> but one morning when I pick up Cam to take him to appointments, he shows me this strange welt that's appeared on his arm. And he says he feels like he's going to die. I start calling, begging rehab clinics again. The beds are full. It's deja vu from last year and the year before that. In one conversation, I'm almost pitching to the caseworker. He asked me, when the waiting list is so long and there are so few beds, why should Cam be the one to get in? Yeah, look, I understand your hesitancy, um, but... 
I would argue that this is the diagnosis of a lifetime uh, illness and the, the shock and the reality of that is that... They say it's him who needs to want it and that he needs to call. But I'm worried he won't. He hasn't been able to in the past. But this time, maybe it is different. Anyway, I just want to tell you that Ham, it got, he's got into rehab. He got into rehab, oh my God, he's going on Monday. It's another week later and Cam asked me to come visit him. Claire offers to come along and I am so nervous. And when we get to the rehab, he's sprightly and his face is flushed with colour. He throws his arms around Claire and he says, Welcome to the family. (laughs) The weird welt has gone down. Uh, Turns out it was just a spider bite. And he's eating well. We sit out the front of the nature strip on the road and smoke cigarettes. And suddenly, I feel like I'm meeting my little brother. And we find these sweet little connections about bad tattoos and good food and the really weird places that life takes you. He talks enthusiastically about how he's been doing CBT and DBT and Tai Chi and meditation. He's chatty and he's charming and funny and he and Claire get along really well. It makes my heart sing. But also, part of me doesn't want to get my hopes up too much. Remission is hard. Lifetime illnesses are hard. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for all of your support over the last couple of weeks. There aren't always neat, narrow endings. But at least in this moment, it feels like things are going to be okay. Later in the week, I'm on the road again, uh, driving alone back to the Sunshine Coast. Hello, Ede, and hi. How's your drive going? I came home just now and lay down and added a bunch of things to that playlist. So if you get bored, I think I'm on my way to Newcastle. Your coffee is still piping hot. There's so many treats in the esky that I can't wait to eat. And, oh, God, come back already. I miss you. It's dumb. And I sort of even lived in the same city all the time. God, it's just such a delight being around you. I love you. <sighs> I'm stopping at Gosford when Dad calls and he says Cam has told him about Claire. And he doesn't know why I was so worried about telling him. And that he loves the gays. (laughs) And it makes me realise that even though Cam and I don't have a cookie-cutter relationship and that we are really different in a lot of ways, 
There are things that we'll do for each other that we can't do for ourselves. Hey, Edwina. I left the rehab because I just completed the 21-day program. Life is good. I've been out three days now. Um, I start work next Thursday um, for a mate who I met in rehab. I just need to keep my nose clean for a week. I put on heaps of weight and I'm really healthy and really happy and everything's happy and everything's good. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Days Like These. If you've got a story that you want to share with us, please get in touch. You can send an email or a voice memo to dayslikethese at abc.net.au. If you haven't already, you can follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. We love to hear what you think and it helps new people find the show. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Coolass. This episode was written and produced by Edwina Story. Our lead reporter is Paddabud. Sound design and engineering by Angie Grant. The supervising producer was Sophie Townsend. Our brilliant executive producers are Rachel Fountain, Sophie Townsend and Ian Walker. Our theme song is Yena by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. See you next time. Next time on Days Like These, in a trekking adventure gone wrong, two friends find themselves in the midst of a natural disaster and their only chance of survival relies on the connections that they made along the trail. I turned around and realised I didn't know where Nairi was and at that moment she rushed past me and I just recall screaming her name, reaching forward and grabbing her and then absolute chaos descending. That's coming up on the next episode of Days Like These, out next week. And in the meantime, why not listen to another ABC podcast, like this one. When Sydney journalist Juanita Nielsen disappeared, she sparked off one of this country's biggest crime mysteries. 46 years ago, almost to the day of this release, my aunt Juanita vanished. It's one of Australia's most notorious unsolved cases. Mrs Nielsen from a wealthy Sydney family was last seen alive on July the 4th, 1975. Juanita walked into a nightclub that morning in July for a meeting. It was broad daylight and she just vanished. Her body has never been found. Almost 46 years after Juanita Nielsen disappeared, the government is offering a million dollar reward to help find her remains. Just three weeks ago, Juanita's case made headlines again. The Sydney journalist was known for her activism with the Green Bands. The tragic disappearance of Juanita in 1975 is one of Sydney's horrible, unsolved mysteries. The state police investigation into Juanita's disappearance has gone for decades. And there was a coronial inquest into her suspected death that delved deep into the underbelly of King's Cross. I believe she was murdered by people who knew exactly what they were doing. But my family still don't have answers. 
At the time Juanita disappeared, it was rumoured that she was costing developers millions per day. Juanita Nielsen was a crusader. She ran a King's Cross newspaper and used her influence to fight developers who wanted to demolish heritage housing and build apartments. Juanita was a journalist and an activist. She lived on a street that was set to be destroyed by developers and she wanted to protect it. Juanita Nielsen was the editor of a crusading Sydney newspaper. In the process of some of her campaigns, she made a lot of enemies. There was violence. There were killers. There were corrupt police. And there were people who wanted Juanita out of the way. She was last seen here at the Carousel Club. It was owned by a Sydney businessman, Mr Abe Saffron, and run for him by a Mr Jim Anderson. What would Jim have to say to Juanita? Well, you know, friends of mine are uh, involved in Victoria Street. If you value your kneecaps, leave it alone. My family has lived with this mystery for more than four decades. I want to know why why my family hasn't gotten answers. Every year that passes and it's further away from Juanita's death, we lose more and more possibility to solve the murder. Time is running out, so we've agreed we need to start our own investigation. We were convinced already that she'd be murdered. If you really threaten power, they'll kill you. It's that simple. Juanita Nielsen was collateral damage. Over seven episodes, I speak with people involved in Juanita's case who have never spoken publicly before. I track down new leads and witnesses and uncover powerful new evidence. They don't want the truth to come out. I wouldn't, you know, kill women or kids. Just crazy guys. <laughs> Did you kill Juanita? My name is Kieran McGee. Join me for Juanita the latest season of Unravel True Crime. The first two episodes land on July 13. You can listen to Unravel on the ABC Listen app or follow us wherever you get your podcasts.